and welcome to another episode of Tales of the Resistance. I'm Mara Zeltz, one of the regular hosts of this podcast and project manager with the I Am Responsible team. For this week's episode, we're trying something a little different. The I Am Responsible team is in the business of education on antimicrobial resistance, and a part of that is to teach a class on antimicrobial resistance um, every spring. So this week's podcast, we've pulled together some of the audio from one of our class discussions on microbial risk assessment for the purposes of making it into a podcast. I've recorded myself asking questions where the audio was unclear, and for the privacy of the students, names have been removed from the recording. This discussion was taken from a guest lecture by Dr. Bing Wang, who was introduced at the start of this recording. So without further ado, let's drop into our antimicrobial resistance from a One Health Perspective class now in session. Here, welcome everybody. I'm happy to introduce um, Dr. Bing Wang, and she is a faculty member here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, she's in the uh, food science department, and she's a human health risk an analyst um, who specializes in addressing microbial food safety issues. So her research um, is focused on improving public health decision-making through data analysis and decision tools. Um, welcome, Dr. Wang. Thank you, Dr. Schmidt, for the introduction. Uh, I'm very glad to have the opportunity to talk in this, about this topic. Uh, I'm working on quantitative microbial risk assessment to address the food safety issues and for the public health protection. Uh, I, uh, we have applied this approach for different food safety systems and address different pathogens contamination in food and antimicrobial resistant bacteria contamination in the animal derived food product is one of the focus in our group. Uh, it does not necessarily mean that for the food is a more uh, uh, critical exposure pathway for the antimicrobial resistant bacteria. It just based on the currently available uh, studies in the literature. Most of the risk assessment studies has been focusing on the food consumption as the major exposure routes compared to the environment. But actually environment is super important. We've had opportunity to observe the differences in engagement controversy, funding, um, and so forth, that antimicrobial resistance questions can receive um, when they are applied to food safety issues versus environmental questions. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about how the two things are linked? What is the possible routes that the antimic antimicrobial resistance that it, uh, develop during the primary production and all the way to the human exposure? Starting from the food animals and the, through the pathway of the food consumption, the contamination of a resistant bacteria can be carried through the food and all the way to the human. That's the major pathway. But there are some alternative pathways here is through the uh, food animals, through their waste uh, released into the environment, to the white animals or through the water or through the landification of the crops um, that eventually gonna uh, uh, be consumed for the crops that eventually gonna be consumed by the human being. The transmission of antimicrobial resistance between animals and the human could be 
due directional. So it's not only from animal to human, it's also possible the transmission happen from the human to animal. Actually, there is another review uh, that's examined the causal relationship between the antimicrobial resistance between the uh, animal and the human. And the most of the study, they didn't really have a clear statement about the transmission direction. So in terms of the causal relationship is still uh, uncertain. So how would you describe your role then in terms of how a risk assessment specialist is part of addressing antimicrobial resistance? So when we're facing such a uh, serious crisis, and this is antimicrobial resistance issues is quite complex, the precautionary principles is no longer sufficient to guide our reactions. Instead, the risk-based approach is well, widely uh, recognized as a preferred approach. The recommendation or the guideline developed by the CAC, that's the Codex Elementary Commission, about how to use a risk analysis as a framework to control the foodborne antimicrobial resistance issues. And before I go into the details of, I wanna make some differentiation of definition. So when we talk about the risk analysis, Risk analysis covers three different components. Risk assessment, which is a scientific component in risk analysis, is used the composite science-based information uh, to provide, to estimate the magnitude of a risk and help to evaluate different potential risk management options. So the results from the risk assessment will be very useful uh, uh, inputs for the risk managers to decide how to control the risk. And also for the risk of communication, it is a process to make sure effective communication between the risk assessor and the risk of management, and also to communicate the magnitude of a risk and also the potential risk of management measures with uh, associate, um, associated stakeholders. Can you dive a little deeper on that? What what goes into making a risk assessment for antimicrobial resistance in, say, the food consumption pathway, for example? And the first step is hazard identification. So in hazard identification, it is to identify the potential hazards that can pose the adverse health conditions. And it's answer the question, what can go wrong? And in our case of antimicrobial resistance, the hazard uh, could be the antimicrobial resistant pathogens or the genes. And the next step is exposure assessment. In exposure assessment, this is a process, it either can be qualitative or quantitative. Um, this is to describe the introduction and the transmission and the dynamic of the hazard along the exposure pathway. For example, uh, we are focusing the food consumption pathway and in the exposure assessment is describe how the hazard can be introduced from the beginning of the farm and changed through the food production and the processing and the consumer's handling process. And the, at the end of the exposure assessment, the output is the frequency of exposure to the hazard or the antimicrobial resistant bacteria at the time of consumption. And the next step is hazard characterization. 
uh, again, it can be qualitative or it can be quantitative. But basically, is it describe the nature of the adverse health condition due to the due to the exposure to the hazard, and for the quantitative part, uh, particularly, is called dose response relationship establishment. So now you can imagine when we have the output from the um, exposure assessment as the dose as a time of consumption, and we can put that information into the dose response model by combining all of the three components and in the risk characterization, the major job is to estimate the magnitude of a risk and also in risk characterization is mainly to answer the questions from the risk managers, such as what will be the effective um, risk management uh, strategies and what is the con critical control point to uh, reduce the risk associated with antimicrobial resistance. And here I wanna make the differentiation between risk assessment versus exposure assessment. Exposure assessment, as we mentioned, is uh, one step of a risk assessment. It can be standalone uh, to be used as a decision-making. But when you say risk assessment, which means you are able to plug in the dose response and estimate the public health risk. Unfortunately, for the antimicrobial resistant bacteria, we don't really have a very robust dose response yet. So most of the time when you see the risk-based approach for antimicrobial resistance is usually focused on the exposure uh, as the outcome. What kind of lessons can a risk assessment approach teach us um, as we're trying to address the antimicrobial resistance problem? So the first question that uh, risk assessment can help to address is what are the most important pairs of antimicrobial resistant uh, bacteria and food? So the purpose of asking this question is to first identify the, the highest, the most risky um, pathogen and the food or most risky resistant pathogens and the food. So when we have limited risk management resources, then we should target everything on the most ris risky things to lower the risk in the general population in the nation. And the approach we can use is risk ranking. So uh, rank very high indicates their uh, higher significance of in influencing the public health. That's indicate those are the pairs that needs to be take actions first. So the next approach is a comparative risk uh, or exposure assessment that can be used to answer two different types of questions. First is what are the contribution from various food to human exposure to a specific uh, resistant bacteria? So in this situation is we're focusing on one type of a resistant bacteria's exposure but there are multiple different types of food that can contribute to the exposure, and we want to know their relative contribution between the different food. Or we can answer the question like, what is the relative comparison of various resistant bacteria related to a specific food? So you can see from using this approach, they can identify and which product uh, pose a higher risk, and they can even identify uh, potential potential control measures. 
So the next approach is a quantitative microbial risk or exposure assessment. In this approach, if the food chain is covered from all the way to from the farm to the uh, end to the uh, to the exposure, that can help answer a lot of questions like, uh, what is the risk of exposure to specific resistant bacteria through the consumption of a specific food? And what is the impact of antibiotic use on, during the primary production on the public health? And what are the control measures for combating antimicrobial resistance? And of course, because if you apply the full farm to fork chain, the control measures can be evaluated, can be implemented through um, the different places along the whole chain. So using this information, it's very important to indicate or inform a decision-making about the potential uh, interventions that can be implemented. So do you see a greater risk um, from a food safety standpoint from animals that are administered antibiotics than those that are not? Uh, we do have another ongoing study that's a farm to fork um, chain model. And we did test it if the what is the uh, difference between the contamination in the animals administered or without administration of antibiotics. Because at the very beginning for the data we collected, it doesn't really show much difference even on the farm. So you can imagine that it's gonna to lead to a very small difference in terms of their impact of the human exposure. If you think about the whole chain that the contamination level is much higher at the primary stage. And in the United States, the scenario we, we simulated in the United States. So in the United States, um, majority of the food producing animals through the production you will see a dramatic decrease in terms of the contamination. Most of the contamination are taken care of during the processing. So when the dramatic decrease is, um, is observed, you can imagine even at the very beginning, they have some level of a difference, but the difference will be, will be shrinked even more when it's close to the time of consumption. So, uh, based on our modeling, it shows that the uh, use or not use antibiotics is, does not really uh, trigger a significant risk uh, difference in the risk. Can you go back just a, a moment to when you were talking about uh, how the risk assessment approach could be used in some other pathways uh, that you described, specifically the environmental pathway? The environmental pathway is also important. The alternative pathways actually release the, release the uh, resistant bacteria into the environment and, and then through the other route to the human being. This is one um, of the very, sorry, very few studies that I find online that's evaluated multiple different exposure pathways in the same study. And they include the food pathway like the consumption of a contaminated ground beef uh, and the leafy greens and also the environmental pathway, like use the recreational purpose to use the rivers that may be contaminated by um, 
the the waste from the feedlot. So through all of this uh, exposure pathways, they make the comparison to give the rank about which pathway can give you the highest uh, risk exposed to the resistant bacteria interested here. So it shows if we only uh, if we only consider per exposure event, direct animal contact can give the highest uh, amount of exposure. And, but if also consider the exposure frequency, then the consumption of a contaminated ground beef, the beef consumption is actually the most significant exposure pathway. So with regard to risk assessments, did you see those risk assessments primarily being done by universities or, or research settings, or, or is this approach being routinely used by say Food and Drug Administration or other agencies to routinely um, identify food safety? Yeah, um, for the risk assessment, um, if we think about the history of a risk assessment, it started from the need for WTO um, and also later CAC, uh, the Codex Elementary Commissions stepped in to develop the guidelines. So the major purpose is to build the food standards uh, between different countries and to facilitate the fair trade. So this is the initial purpose of a uh, promoted approach of a risk assessment. So in terms of that, the most of uh, the applications of a risk assessment is as national level or even international levels. Um, so that's why you can see a lot of risk assessments conducted by FAO, uh, WHO, and also at FDA, they have, and the USDA, they publish a lot of a risk assessment. And also for the researchers, uh, we do uh, scientific practices of this uh, to apply into different scenarios and also to development, for the development of the methodology of a risk assessment. For food industry, um, I have to say uh, the application is relatively limited. And for the industry, maybe I can use one hand five fingers to count what are the major food industry to use the risk assessment like Nestle as Unilever. They do have the research program um, teams to do risk assessment. But in addition to that, I would say predictive microbiology maybe provide a more direct and uh, useful tool for food industry compared to the risk assessment for a direct application to food industry. So Back to your question, I would say most of the time uh, it will be the um, uh, research institute like universities and also the regulatory agencies to conduct a risk assessment. Have there been any studies that have been able to show any significant co-occurrence of genes or bacteria within an exposure pathway? That's a very good question. For microbial risk assessment, most of the time, um, the hazard they are interested in is a single one. Or if this is through the comparative one, they can evaluate the multiple different. But in terms of the model development, is still in one model is a focus on one pathogen. So that's the most of the case for microbial risk assessment. Um, 
so the uh, co-occurrence or even considered interactions between different uh, microorganisms is, is less developed. I have to say it's less developed for microbial risk assessment. For chemical risk assessment is a totally different case. For example, they, uh, they have the cumulative exposure assessment of a chemical, so they consider the synergistic effects between different chemical agents uh, in terms of their influence of health. But for the microbial, it's, mm, it's not there yet. Um, what, what challenges did you run into in trying to quantify, quantify um, the links between the different systems and the systems map? The biggest the challenge for risk assessment is data, <laughs> for high quality data. Uh, but usually for a risk assessment model is need a variety type of uh, inputs. Very important, you can imagine it is a contamination information, right? But for the resistant um, bacteria, most of the time we only have the presence and the absence data without the concentration. That's really related to how the resistance profile has been determined. Uh, if you look at the literature, uh, a lot of time people just the first, for example, if you uh, look at the um, resistance salmonella, the first isolate salmonella and pick the salmonella colony and put the colony into different resistance testing and to know if this is salmonella resistant to a specific class of a drug, right? So that's the way you know if a yes or no or presence or absence of a resistant salmonella. However, uh, if you want to know the concentration, that should follow a totally different approach. You should have a specific level of resistant uh, antibiotics added to the agar to see how many of the colony can grow on the agar that already with a, the level of antibiotics. Very unfortunately, in the literature, um, concentration data is super, super limited. So that's involved, introduce a lot of uncertainties about the um, risk estimation. Um, I, I see that is the uh, number one challenge is not only for resistant um, risk assessment, is for all different type of risk assessment. It's uh, microbial risk assessment. Concentration is a very scarce data type. Um, for the other one, you know, as I mentioned, the dose response is not really robust for um, for uh, resistant bacteria. Right now, for the people, if we want to connect the exposure of a resistant bacteria to the level of risk of a resistant uh, infection, what they use the dose response is built based on the general pathogen. So for example, what I use for resistant salmonella is only the dose response for salmonella. But for the data uh, collected for built the dose response is not differentiated about the resistant profile. However, you need to ask yourself, is the Salmonella dose response a good representative of the resistant um, salmonella in terms of their potency of a trigger the infection. That's the uncertainty that we don't know. And we don't really have a lot of information to help us to build a robust dose response for resistant bacteria. 
of course, there are more challenges that can give you, like when we do risk assessment, all the output is about the human health. All the focus is about the human health. Are we really taking a one health approach? Are we really thinking about the animal health as one of the decision making factors? And also, if we're thinking about banning the uh, antibiotics, then some economic consequences will follow up. So is the um, economy factors uh, is considered, you know, I'm considering for really a one health approach that we can follow in multi-criteria decision-making process, in addition to only focus on the public health as the sole um, criteria to make the decision. And also for most of the risk assessment currently being conducted, uh, we use the culture-based data, which means we know the CFU and we know the presence, the absence or the uh, prevalence of contaminated uh, products. But now there are more opportunities to use the um, like a genomic information and and also this type of information can give the opportunity to give a differentiation between different strains based on their functions. For example, based on their differences in virulence or the resistance uh, levels. So there's opportunities to plug in the uh, WG, the whole genome sequencing data into risk assessment. That is what is uh, called the next generation risk assessment. Uh, it is very, um, widely discussed, but with very few application right now. And the last one is for the risk assessment, particularly for quantitative risk assessment, it requires some uh, computational uh, skills. Um, for the countries, uh, less developed countries, if they really want to use the risk uh, approach, risk-based approach, Capacity building should be the first step uh, for them to strengthen, to use this approach. Thank you, Dr. Wang. So I think we'll go ahead and wrap up for today. Yeah, thank you everyone.